The following story has been brought to you by StoriesToInspire.org. Is the CEO of the organization and Sacramento Club on Rabbi Berg. One of the greatest stories that I've ever uh, not only heard but participated in was uh, back when I was a regional director at NCSY, West Coast NCSY. I was based in Los Angeles, and we were having a Shabbaton in uh, Costa Mesa, about an hour south of uh, of Los Angeles. And uh, many times we go to these hotels, uh, we wind up meeting a Jew or two. Sometimes we used to have uh, Shabbatons at the airport. We'd have a stewardess or a captain that would come and ask us to join us Friday night. And uh, so we're sitting in this hotel, and there was another kind of wedding party going on there, obviously a lot smaller than us. We had about 600 people there for that Shabbat. And a uh, guy comes over to me, he says, uh, Rabbi Berg, you know, they point out, said, you're in charge of NCSY. Can I join you for Shabbat? I'm here at the wedding. So I said, no problem, It'll be our pleasure. He comes to all the meals great great person and that's kind of the end uh of of the story from from that perspective didn't really know where he came from what the story was had a great shabbat and uh and that was it anyway a couple years later i'm uh in israel actually or Sameach, and i was there to speak to the derek program one of the programs there and i start to uh i'm just walking in someone says oh right bird you recognize me a nice guy in a jacket black hat I said, uh, no, where, where are you from? He told me he was that guy that spent Shabbat with us. He said he wanted to tell me the backstory. So the backstory was that uh, he had a bunch of friends from college and they were going to this wedding. And although it was an intermarriage, his friend was Jewish, married someone not Jewish, he still felt like he wanted to be a part of the Hebra, but he was also becoming a little bit religious. And so they kind of landed a group of friends in San Francisco and they drove down about seven, eight hours to Costa Mesa to the wedding. And he said it was a big mistake from the beginning. He's trying to keep a little bit kosher. He's trying to keep a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And uh, it's just not going well. And it's very, very difficult. He finally gets there and he finds out there's a, a Friday night cruise. He doesn't know what to do himself. He's like, you know, he turns, you know, to heaven. He's like, God, I'm done. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just, I tried and like, it's too hard. Walks to the hotel. He sees a bunch of guys wearing kippahs. And he sees a bunch of girls that seem religious. And he asks them, well, what's going on here? He said, oh, this is the NC Swash Shabbaton. And he said, literally, he walks in to 600 Jews in hotel for Shabbat. And he finds me. He says, can I spend Shabbat with you? He said, absolutely, yes. He said it was so inspiring that on Sunday, he got on a plane and he went to Israel uh, to go learn Torah in Israel. And that's where he's been ever since. And to me, it was so clear that, you know, we thought we were so smart. We're finding this great hotel in Costa Mesa. We're bringing everyone down for this Shabbaton, right? We had done all this planning, but really God is the ultimate planner. God had put that Shabbaton for this young man there so he can come down and he can have a great Shabbat and be encouraged on his journey. And I think that's the most important kind of moral of the story is that no matter what, uh, you know, we we do what we can to influence people, to inspire people, to help them become passionate Jews. But we have to realize we have a partner, and that's Kaddish Baruch and he's always there helping. Dear Rabbi Berg, for your tremendous words, for your powerful story. Our next speaker is Rabbi Nachum Shiner. I want to remind everyone that they should share this link right now, torahanytime.com slash chazak2, so you, your friends, colleagues, and neighbors can be inspired at tonight's very special L Stories to Inspire event. Um, Rabbi Shiner is the Rosh Kolel of Beis Medrash Orachayim, which which is a tremendous, which is a tre- which is such a tremendous force in Klai Yisrael, and and um, and the Shul and 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 him and Rabbi Shiner does so much for the Jewish people, and we all appreciate it. It's a great it's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Shiner. There was a young boy in Yerushalayim that had a unique disorder. Whenever he went to sleep, and he had a scary dream. 
he became violently active. You see, it's one of the chassadim from the Eibishter, that when we sleep and we have a nightmare, he's a dangerous person. So maybe in our sleep we try to fight back. But we don't get up, go to the kitchen and get a knife to scare him out of here. We just, in the sleep itself, we kind of uh, move around a little bit. Sometimes you find a little bit a person sleepwalks, a person talks in a sleep, but that's about it. This kid, when he had a dream, he became very active. He jumped up, he started punching. And needless to say, it was a danger for himself and it was a danger for the people around him. Without any choice, the father needed to stay up every single night to watch over the kid that any time in the middle of the night when he gets starts jumping up to hold him down. And if the father needed to stay up throughout the night, obviously he had to sleep at some point, so he slept during the day. He slept by day, he couldn't keep a job, so there was no parnas in the house. The kids there was another seven kids in the family. They didn't have a father. There was no father to take care of them. And this continued on for months and months. He was up throughout the night watching the kid and slept by day. At some point, he heard of a professional doctor that his specialty is in surgeries in the brain, in these neuro complications. And the doctor, he'll be able to perform a surgery and help this boy to be able to sleep peacefully without getting up and being violent. The father gets in touch with the doctor and with full of emotion speaks to the doctor, tells the doctor how his life is turned upside down. He just doesn't have a life, he can't work. He can't take care of the family because of the situation of this son of his. And he's asking the doctor, he tells the doctor, I know you could perform a surgery to help this, but I don't have a penny to my name. Maybe could you do it as a chesed, do the surgery for free. The doctor listening to the situation and understanding how important it is, the doctor says, you know what? You're right, and I will do the surgery for free. However, besides of me doing the surgery, the cost that I charge, which I'm willing to give up, I don't do it in my office, in my house. It has to be done in a hospital setting with nurses, anesthesia, all the different parts. Those fees add up to $100,000. And as I understand, you don't have that money. So for now, we're going to have to put it on hold. And when the opportunity comes, we'll be in touch. The father continued on for many, many months with this situation of getting up at night, staying up at night with the boy. The opportunity came. This doctor, this specialist, was invited to Hadassah in Kerem in Yerushalayim to perform a surgery on the brain for all the doctors to be able to learn. They paid his expenses, 
pay him to come. The doctor asked, I would like to perform the surgery on a patient that I choose. This doctor, right when he landed in Eretz Yisrael, he asked his taxi on the way to the hospital to stop for a minute, to stop in, to stop in the Shunas Beis Yisrael. He knocks on the door, no one answers. He knocks and knocks and calls, nobody answers. He leaves a message on the phone and he says, this is Dr. So-and-so, I'm here, I would love for you to call me back immediately, now's an opportunity that I can perform the surgery on your son and take care of the issue. The father was sleeping, even though it was during the day, but he was sleeping, unfortunately, because he was up during the night, but he was sleeping, he missed the call. So the doctor went, performed the surgery on a different patient that was in the hospital, when the doctor was about to leave, after the surgery, he gets a call from the father, frantic, hoping that it's not too late. And the doctor says, I'm sorry, but I already performed the surgery. I'm on the way back to the airport now. Could you imagine the feeling of the father? What an opportunity that he missed. We're holding now, we're starting with Shchidesh Elul, the minute to blow the shoifer. The shoifer is to wake us up. Uru to wake us up. We're all sleeping one way or another, somewhere or something. And the Abishta wants us to get up, not to miss the opportunity. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Ram is an opportunity. And not only does the Abishta want us, to wake up. The Ibishta came to our apartment to base his stroll. The Ibishta's here. The Ibishta's close by. He's here by us. He wants us to wake up like the Father, to wake up, to, to utilize the opportunity. Let us see to take advantage of these days of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And with that will be Zeicher, Taksimva Chasim Toiva, a good Gebench Yar. Thank you, Rabbi Shiner. We really appreciate your tremendous words and for all the great work you do for Klai. So I remind everyone, if someone wants to sponsor any one of these shirim tonight, they can they they can um, they can um, make it they, they they can sponsor it by going to givechazak.com, G-I-V-E-C-H-A-Z-A-Q.com, givechazak.com. It is a great great honor to call upon Rabbi Achilles Spiro. So we know Rabbi Spiro. He uh, he's written so many amazing books and sfarim. He, he for art school he's written the touch by touch by a story um, series and um, definitely go to your local Judaica store or online at artschool.com and you can definitely pick up one of his amazing books. They're 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 they're, they're just all inspiring, unbelievable, and you will definitely uh, <laughs> you'll be definitely you'll definitely be touched by them as it says touched by a story, um, Rabbi Spiro. Would you believe it? Elul is here. That's right. The year has passed. And now it's time to be judged again. And we need to prepare ourselves properly. And Hashem gives us one month, Chodesh Elul, to prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and of course, the Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment. There are numerous acronyms to be found in different Jewish phrases, such as, 
Elul stands for Ani Lidoidi Vidoidi Li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. And while that is found on some wedding invitations, it does not mean only that I am to my beloved, to my spouse, but it means I am to my beloved, to the Almighty, to the Rabbeinu Shalom, and He is to me. Another clever one is Ish Lereyehu Umatonos Lev Yainin is Rosh Tevis Elul. It is the acronym of Elul because people should increase their Beinarim Lachaveru. They should be kind to one another and do acts of kindness for one another. But there is one that I found recently that I love. It's not well known. And the four words are, Efshar lehiskayem v'la'amoid lefonecha. It is possible for me to exist and to stand before you. You might be familiar with that phrase because we say it in Asher Yatsar as an efshar. It is impossible for us to stand before God if he would not allow us to be able to go to the bathroom. But here we've taken a part of the phrase, and it gives us encouragement. We can do it. Yes, Elul can be viewed in one of two ways. Number one, you can view Elul as, oh no, here it is. The dread, the awe, the fear, the trepidation of Elul. Or, I can do this. I don't have to be scared. I mean, certainly, part of the fear should motivate me. But there's great things that are going to happen. And we have great meetings that we're preparing for. And we can do this. Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Posen gives a great, beautiful marshal that explains and illustrates how we should view Elul. There was a villager who came to the big city. He's got a meeting on the 70th floor of an apartment building. And he comes, he looks at the building, wow, never seen anything like this before. He starts wondering to himself, how am I going to get to the top floor? He walks into the building and they tell him, here's the elevator. Elevator? I was looking for a stairwell, what's an elevator? Okay, the elevator's going to take me to the top. He walks into the elevator and he stands there. It's a chamber, he's enclosed, and then the doors close. And it's dark. And he's frightened. And he's suffocating. And it's claustrophobic. And he's thinking to himself, I got to get out of here. And then a moment later, the elevator doors open again. In walks this cheerful looking fellow with a happy disposition. And he leans over and he presses button number 70. And suddenly the lights are on. And the elevator's going all the way up. They walk out of the elevator, and it is there that he has the meeting. The very, very important person that will change his life forever. And Rabbi Shol Meir Posen says, Elul is the elevator. That's right. You come in, and if you don't know what to do, and you don't realize where it can take you, and where it can lead you, and how you can benefit from it, well, then certainly it's terrifying. But if we view Elul as a means to get to the meeting, the important meeting, 
where we could stand face to face with the only one who can impact our lives, then Elul becomes not dread and fear and trepidation, but Elul becomes the month of opportunity, a month when we can look forward to preparing for the greatest meeting of all. So we have one month. What are we going to do about it? Rabbi Spiro, for your tremendously powerful story and lesson. Our next speaker is Rabbi Eliel Maximov, who's the Rav of all Sarah in Queens, New York. And is that going to upon Rabbi Maximov? So I would like to share with you a most magnificent story that I heard over from Chacham Avadia Yosef. Chacham Avadia Yosef used to say over a story that happened during the times of Napoleon Bonaparte. As we know, Napoleon was a great emperor, and he used to go from country to country, defeating all types of empires and taking over. When they got to Russia, the goal was to take over the capital, which was Leningrad. Because once you take over the capital, and you throw the Tsar off of his throne, you get checkmate, and you take over the rest of the country. The only problem with taking over Leningrad was that it was a fortified walled city. Napoleon's army were not able to breach the wall, so they decided they're going to have to come up with a plan. They made a blockade by surrounding the wall and they wouldn't allow any food or supplies to import into the capital. The Russians will eventually need food and supplies and they would have no choice but to come out. Doing so, Napoleon's army would invade and take over. This was their strategy. What they didn't take into consideration was the cold winters of Russia. It was sub-zero mid-January weather. The Russians, however, were used to it. After surrounding this wall for a few days, Napoleon's army sent back a letter to their emperor telling him that they're going to have to retreat their soldiers because they wouldn't be able to withstand the cold. When Napoleon read the letter, he said it could be any day now that the Russians are going to surrender and crack. We've been waiting this long. We cannot, wake, we cannot give up now. And so he had a plan of his own. He traveled from France all the way down to Leningrad, to the capital. He climbed over the wall with his general and he went on a spy mission to eavesdrop to see how much longer these Russians can go without having any food or supplies importing into the capital and having Napoleon's army surrounding them. Now, how are they going to do this without getting caught? Napoleon and his general climbed over the wall overnight. They dressed up like farmers and they went to infiltrate Russia. Now, where would be the best place to hear the sentiment of the people? They went to a bar. This is where all the Russians used to gather and drink and get drunk and all the politics would go out. Napoleon and the general went to a local bar. They sat down and they began to eavesdrop. Suddenly they hear a conversation break out amongst the officers, how they can't take it any longer, and it's going to be any day now that they're going to have to surrender to Napoleon's army. As soon as Napoleon and his general heard exactly what they wanted to hear, they casually got up to leave the bar. Suddenly, one of the officers turns to his friend and he says, you know, that guy, he really looks like Napoleon. I mean, there are paintings of him all over the place. That must be him. That got to be Napoleon. The other officer says, what would Napoleon be doing in a bar at this time of night, drinking alcohol in the capital. Another officer gets up, he says, he's right, that really looks like Napoleon. As soon as the general realized what's taking place, he quickly grabbed Napoleon by the collar and he said, hey you, go fetch me some vodka. And he pushes him to the floor. As soon as Napoleon got up to go and get him the vodka, the general grabs him again and he says, you're too slow. And he punches Napoleon in the face. At this point, the entire bar, everybody started laughing. They said, no way that's Napoleon. Nobody would dare to treat or speak to Napoleon that way. They turned to the officer who accused Napoleon of being Napoleon. And they said, you're drunk, you're drinking too much. In the interim, 
the general picked up Napoleon and he dragged them out of the bar to finish him off. As soon as they exit the bar, Napoleon gets back on his feet and they ran for it. They crossed the border and sure enough, three days later, the Russians surrendered and Napoleon's army were able to take over the capital. Subsequently, Napoleon throws a lavish banquet to celebrate his victory. All the generals showed up, they had speeches, so on and so forth. Somewhere in the middle of the banquet, in walks the general who punched Napoleon. He approaches Napoleon, gets on his knees, and he begins to beg for forgiveness. He said, I know that the emperor has every right to kill me for the disrespect that I've showed to him that night in that bar. But I beg for clemency. Napoleon said, punish you, I'll elevate you. He gave his general a medallion and then he gave him a hug. He said, there's no way I could ever repay you for that which you have done for me by punching me that night. You saved my life. If not for that punch, who knows where I would have ended up today. But as a result, I made it out of that bar alive. And it's all thanks to you. Here I am sitting at my throne, enjoying victory. Hacham Avadi Yosef would say, many times in life, we have all types of claims on Hashem. Hashem, why this? Hashem, why that? We don't always see the good outcome behind the hits Hashem sends our way. Only God sees the good behind the seemingly bad things that we have to go through in our lives. We have all types of claims on Hashem, and in the meantime, Hashem is orchestrating it all for the best. These challenges that we must face are there to strengthen us, and it is our choice how we will go about them. We might not see how this is going to bring me to something good right away, but with the right amount of faith and with the right amount of patience, we will come to see all that which seems to be a curse was in truth a blessing in disguise. Thank you, Rabbi Maxwell, for your tremendous, for your tremendous lesson and, and, and story. Our next speaker is Rabbi Eliezer Abish. Rabbi Abish is the author of the, of, of, the, of, the, of the book, Portraits of Prayer, which has sold thousands upon thousands of copies, and you should go right now. And, and, and go online and or, or to your local Judaica store and go to and buy portraits of prayer. It'll definitely uplift your 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 Elo, your Rosh Hashanah, and your life. And it's a great honor to go upon Rabbi Abish. Elo, it's already the month of Elo. We all know how special the month of Elo is. Elo is the month that we prepare for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. What a special month! It's also August. It's the beginning of August. How are we supposed to go and prepare for El when it's still the beginning of August? We're still going on vacation. We're still going swimming and having barbecues. And it's El. What is our task during this month of El? How can we use this month of El the best way possible so when Rosh Hashanah does come around, we can be well prepared? In the early 1970s, Rosh Hashanah Karabakh was invited to a prison in upstate New York to sing and to give chizik and entertainment to the Jewish prisoners up there. So Shlomo Karabal said, of course, Jewish prisoners, of course they're going to go. And he and another fellow, they got together some donuts, some latkes, and they went up to the prison. They came to the prison. It was a maximum security prison. They checked them out before they came in. They allowed them to bring their instruments and their the food, the latkes and donuts. They come inside, and there was a room, and unfortunately there were a sizable amount of Jewish prisoners there. And Shlomo went, and before he started, he went over to each prisoner to say hello, and he gave them each a big hug. And then he spoke to them, he sang for them, gave them chizik, told them stories, gave out the donuts and the latkes. And then all too soon, 40 minutes were up, and the guard said, okay, Rabbi, time to go. He started packing up his things, and the Shlomo saw there were other prisoners standing there. And he turns to the guard and he says, who are those? He goes, those are also prisoners, but they're not Jewish. Well, Shlomo said, let me go speak to them too. And he went over to them and he gave them each a hug as well. And he spoke to them as well. And everybody was clinging to every word that he said, giving them such chizr. And it finished and the guard said, okay, Rabbi, you got to go. 
So, Shlomo and his assistant, they start to walk out. As they're walking down the hallway, they hear loud footsteps behind them. They all turn around. There's this large prisoner running after them. The guards get tense. The Shlomo turns around, and the guards tell him to stop. And he stops, and he says, Rabbi, can I speak to you for a second? He says, sure. He says, Rabbi, that hug you gave him before? He says, yeah. He goes, could you please give me another one? And before the guards can say anything, the Shlomo walks over to the fellow, gives him a big bear hug. When he finished, he looks this large, big prisoner, tough guy, has tears coming down his eyes. And he looks and says, Rabbi, I want you to know that was the first hug I got in my life earlier today. And now that what you gave me was the second hug I got in my life. Rabbi, I'm pretty sure that if I ever would have been hugged before, I wouldn't be in this place now. Thank you for that hug. And Ashlomo went and he gave him another hug. And Ashlomo would always say, now he learned the power of a hug. And isn't that what we all want? Hashem is calling to us, my kind, my child, come close to me, I want to give you a hug. You're coming close to me, the month of El, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, we're going to be in the sukkah. We're going to be in Hashem's hug. But we have to take that step forward to Hashem. Hashem is saying, come close to me, so I can hug you. And who doesn't want to feel embraced by Hashem's loving hug? And that is our task in the month of El, to come closer to Hashem, to receive His loving hug. Have a wonderful and successful Chodesh El. Thank you, Rabbi Abish, for your tremendous words. Our next speaker is Rabbi Hanan Gordon. We want to remind everyone, share this link so you and your friends and everybody who you know can be inspired by tonight's amazing event. Go to tornytime.com slash chazak2, tornytime.com slash C-H-A-Z-A-Q number two. Um, it is a great honor to call upon our dear friend, Rabbi Hanan Gordon, who's a great friend of Chazak, as well as all the organizations part, um, partnering uh, today. Um, call it to our Kula, Stories to Inspire, Talisman, Tor Anytime. He's a renowned speaker. He writes in a lot of different publications every week, really inspiring the Jewish people at large. Rabbi Hanan Gordon. So one of the things that I've learned over the years speaking at many events is, is somehow before a speaking engagement, Hashem somehow sends the idea or something happens to trigger something which is perfectly suitable for the time uh, or for the audience. And I guess this was no difference in this case when my dear friend Daniel Aguilar from Stories to Inspire reached out to me. Literally within 24 hours after Daniel reached out to me, the following three things happened literally within a day. And number one, I received an email from the CEO of the company that I work with. And the subject line was review. And as I read the body of the letter, the CEO was saying, please make time for your review tomorrow. And I sort of froze in trepidation. I wasn't sure what the email uh, really meant. And within a few minutes afterwards, the CEO sent me an email saying, ignore it. I'm superseding it by this email. It was sent to the wrong person. Later on that day, I had to record something for a, uh, a certain platform. And a, a friend of mine is a very well-heeled professional 
a person in the production world kindly took his time and stood in the sun as we did a number of iterations. And the first iteration wasn't quite right. We did take two, cut one, cut three. And I started feeling pretty bad that my friend was standing there in the sun uh, in his own time. Later on, uh, towards the evening, I got a call as I'm starting to prepare for the reunion of my high school in South Africa. And the person in question asked me whether I'm going to be attending the reunion. And I uh, responded in the affirmative. And I asked this person, it's been, you know, a number of decades uh, since high school. And I asked him, you know, how things, uh, what, you know, sort of what's happened since high school. And the person responded thinking this is sort of an endearing, benign response by saying, you know, same old, same old. I'm pretty much the same person I was back in high school. So let's put the, these three incidents together in a thread that hopefully will be food for thought in the month of Elul as we get ready uh, for the Yomim Noraim. So firstly, the concept of review. We're up for our annual review. The person to whom this email was directed clearly fielded this with trepidation, the jobs on the line, uh, possibly bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea that their, their work for the last quarter of the last several months is up uh, to be accounted for and reviewed certainly would trigger fear and trepidation. The difference, my friends, is the being that's reviewing us is our Father in heaven, who loves you more than you love yourself and more than you love your own children. So as opposed to the CEO of a company that might be looking at productivity, that might be looking at the bottom line, your Father in heaven is looking at you with love and benevolence and wanting only, only good things for you. Which brings me to the next incident that happened in this 24-hour cycle. This period of, of Elul is a time for us to reflect on where we're going to cut. When we come to the end of this journey called a life, Chazal tells us we see the panoramic movie of our lives. Whether we see the cut version or the uncut version is pretty much up to us, and it's these auspicious days where we're able to redact certain things that might be mistakes we've made, which is the, the, the apologizing to my friend that he was in the sun, apologizing for taking his time. This is the month, my friends, where we need to take time to be contrite, to apologize uh, to the folks that we might have hurt. Usually it's people that are close to us. So one idea is at the very least twice a week from now until Rosh Hashanah. Think about a person that you might have offended. This is the time to say the hardest two words in the English sentence, I am I'm sorry. This is the time to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you have the humility, uh, that you're going to be contrite, uh, which brings me to the final uh, point uh, that happened in the cycle. 
the classmate of mine who said, you know, same old, same old, I'm the same person, I think it sort of meant it in a matter of fact way. But it's an absolute tragedy. It's a tragedy if you're the same person today than you were in high school many years ago. When we're up for review in the month of Elo, we're asking the most benevolent, altruistic judge for another year of life. What we need to think, besides using the month of Elo to say sorry, to clean our side of the street, uh, if you will, we need to show Hashem that we're going to be a different person, that we're going to grow. And Be'ezus Hashem, when we come to the end of the year ahead, that we will look back and we will be a very different spiritual DNA. The beauty of having a so-called judge that loves you is the judgment is Mashehu Sham. It's on that day. And the test is, who do you want to be? What are you aspiring to? And I'm sure many of you are, th- are saying, you know, Rabbi Hanan, it's been a tough year, a lot of pain. So I want to share a, a beautiful, well-known story uh, so that you can have a perspective. And when you use the month of Elul to get ready to ask for during your review for an extension of your contract, think of the very famous story uh, of uh, the, uh, the Midrash, which, which talks about a person who came to the greatest, wisest of all men, Shlomo HaMelech, and said to Shlomo HaMelech, can you teach me the language of the birds? Shlomo HaMelech said, he pushed back and said, you know, this is not so pashut. Uh, you shouldn't be, these are certain complicated things. These are mystical things. And, and he nudged and he nudged. And eventually uh, Shlomo HaMelech capitulated and he taught this person uh, the uh, language uh, of the birds. A few days later, uh, the person was walking through the forest and he heard the birds chirping and he understood the language of the birds. And he understood that the birds were saying that his sheep were going to be wiped out and they're going to die. And he thought, this is terrific. I can go back to my farm and sell all my sheep and make a few dollars on a fireside sale uh, before they meet their demise. And that's what he did. And a few days later, he's walking uh, through the forest, and he heard once again the birds are tweeting, and he, and he understood the language of the birds. And the birds were saying that his house is going to be burnt down to the ground. And with this preemptive heads up, he dashed back, he put his house in the market, made a few dollars, and thought this is terrific. And uh, in his final sojourn through the same forest, he heard the chirping the language of the birds, and then he heard the birds saying that he's, he's going to die. He's going to meet uh, his demise. And he got very shocked. He was very alarmed. He ran back uh, to Shlomo HaMelech, and he said, King Solomon, what can I do here? And Shlomo HaMelech said, I told you it's very complicated to know the language of the birds because there are consequences. You see, my friend, you had done a certain misdeed, you had done a certain avera. And because the Almighty loves you so much, what he was going to do as a kapara, as an atonement, is firstly, just take your sheep. But you sold your sheep. And then as an atonement, as a tikkun, 
since your sheep were no longer around, he was going to burn your house to smithereens, but you sold your house. And there's nothing I can do now. We're going through the parsha of Ra'eh. One of the grammatical oddities is Ra'eh, even though Moshe Rabbeinu, the Almighty through Moshe Rabbeinu, speaking to the whole of Israel, it's in the singular. But why the singular? The Mephoshim say, because it's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu that knows, even though we talk about a blessing and a curse, things that we think are a curse, things that we think are painful, things that are upsetting to us that are, we think are not what life had in order for us. If we remember the story, every single thing happens for our good. And if we realize that that's the loving God to whom we're going to stand just over a month from now, let's use the month of Elul. Let's make sure we see the cut version and not the uncut version. Let's make sure the review that we're about to have is HaKadosh Baruch Hu will look at us with pride when we have aspirations to be a bigger spiritual person. Let's use this month at least twice a week from now until Rosh Hashanah to say sorry to the people that we might have hurt. And if we take on something that will make us a bigger person and we take this time to say the contrite apologies, when we stand before the judge who is our father in heaven for the review, Surely the, uh, the psyche will be that it will be a gebench to you, which is what I wish for you. We should use this time uh, to really think about the year ahead and what the person we want to become. And I wish for you a good gebench to sweet year. Shana Tava. Rabbi Gordon, for your tremendously powerful words and inspiration. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. Who, who teaches at Chazak's public school programs, J-Way programs, as well as the author of Mishnah Berurah Tiferet. Um, he's one of he's one of the he, he's the one who started it and got a whole team around him. It's unbelievable. Mishnah Berurah Tiferet is really making a revolution in the Jewish people, and um, he's obviously uh, gives so many amazing shurim, and um, and um, it's a great honor to Rachimi. Thank you, Stories to Inspire. Thank you, Chazak. Thank you, Torah. Anytime. We'll say a quick thing about this month of Elul, the gift, the beautiful month of Chodesh Elul, Zman Mesugal. It's a days full of opportunities to get close to Hashem, Teshuvah, repenting. Whatever happens in this month for repenting for Teshuvah, whoever wants to take upon himself to get close to Hashem, now is the time, now is the month, because it's a special Siyat the Shmaya. There's a special Koach that Hashem gives in the air during the month of Elul to get close to Hashem on a much faster and speedy, speedy, speedy way. A person can get to Florida, he can drive to Florida, or he can fly. No matter what, he's going to get there. Driving will take longer than flying. A person the whole year can be Chozeb HaTeshuvah. A person the whole year can repent and try to do good and try to change and more Torah, more mitzvot. But right now, in the month of Yudul, we're flying to the Kisa covered. We're flying on Tshuva mode. We're on an airplane. Everything happens faster. The Siyat the Shmaya, the Koach, the special force Hashem gives in this gift of month of Elul, a person can repent in a much faster and speedy way. A person who wants to change and take something upon himself, boom, you're flying direct to Kisei HaKovet to the Tshev HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ad Kisei HaKovet Ad Hashem Alekecha to get close to Hashem. A person right now, if you want to take something upon yourself now is the time in the month of Elul, you will get there much faster. I want to share with you an interesting story that I heard from Rabbi Goldberg the Meshkiach of Cleveland. About a year and a half ago, his brother 
was sick with corona, he was doing really bad, and he went to the hospital to the emergency room. He was doing so bad he had to be in those uh, scary, we should never know of them, those scary ventilators. So he was able to hear, the doctors told him, Robert Goldberg, the Mishgiach, that his brother was able to hear, but he can't talk, he had the ventilator, you know, he can't do anything. His brother was put on speakerphone, obviously he couldn't come to the hospital bed, they didn't let anybody in, for those who remember those dark days, we should never know of it again. The point is that his brother was sick, and he was on a ventilator, and he was trying to speak to him. But his brother obviously didn't show any emotions back. So he told him, I know you're listening. The Mishgiach told his brother, I know you're listening. Clap if you understand what I'm saying. Clap if you're actually hearing what I have to say. That's all I want to see. Some sign of life from you. So his brother, the Mishgiach of Goldberg, is speaking to him on the phone. And then his brother on the ventilator claps and claps, showing him a sign of life. Although he can't speak back, although he can't really show his emotions, but that clap gave the Mashgiach HaBagolbik such a good sense of feeling that my brother is alive. He gave me some sign of life that he's hearing what I have to say. Rabbi the whole year, Hashem, our Father, always is trying to call us. He's always trying to reach us. Hello, 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 come back to me. Torah mitzvot, don't go the wrong direction, serve Hashem, follow the Torah, don't fall for the Yitzhara, don't fall for the different forces of the test of the Yitzhara, of the evil left and right. Don't fall for the culture of the Gorim. Priority one is Torah, not money. Priority one is Yirat Shamaim, not anything else, no physical pleasures. Hashem is always trying to reach us. Ay, 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 but we're in a spiritual ventilator. The Yetzirah is so strong. The tests are so big. The world is huge, full of yisnis, you know. The Yetzirah is huge, is huge, and a person is on a ventilator. But Hashem knows we're listening. Hashem is asking us for a sign of life, of spirituality. Show me that you want to come back. Show me that you're even trying to come back. That clap we show Hashem in the month of Elul. We clap back showing Hashem, Hashem, we want life. Hashem, although we can't really, it's hard to know how to be Chazabet Teshuva. The Nisinot is so hard, we want to do good. Every time a person, Chas Shalom sins, he doesn't really want to sin, or she doesn't really want to sin. The Yetzirah is just overwhelming, but we really, really, really want to do good. Hashem, our hearts are with you, and we'll get there one day. Hashem is asking for a sign of life, a sign of spiritual life, Chas if a person's on his ventilator and the Yitzhah has him tied up and the culture of the Guim has him tied up and he's so, so stuck up with all the different Averot. The month of Elul, you clap. The month of Elul, you tell Hashem, Hashem, I want to come back to you. I want to, I'm trying, I really, really want to do, my heart is with you. Even though I'm tied up, I'm clapping, meaning I'm showing my... Anything, any sign of life that I want to come back to you through the month of Yudu, whether it's saying Selichot, whether it's diving to Hashem every day, Hashem, please give me the chance to come back to you, whether it's now learning every single day, five minutes, this next upcoming month of Yudu, show Hashem a sign of life, something small, benching B'Kavana, Ashiyatsar, putting on tefillin every day, taking Shabbat early, keeping Shabbat, whatever it is, the next month, tell Hashem, Hashem, the whole year I want to be close to you, but at least the month of Elul, I will show you sign of life. I will clap back to you just to show you that the whole year I always listen to you and I really want to come back just sometimes I'm tied up on a ventilator. Sometimes I'm tied up on a spiritual ventilator, but I really, really want to come back to you. But now the month of Elul, do something. Take something upon yourself. It's a very misugad time. It's a special, special time to get close to Hashem. Whatever you do, let's you want to take something upon yourself, there's a special koach, special force to add to the Shema 
Shemaya right now in the month of Elul to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on a much faster rate. To remember, you're on airplane mode getting close to Hashem with Tshuva repenting right now in the month of Elul. Show Hashem a sign of life that you want to get back to Him. Show Him that you truly clap and you really want to get close to Him just like Rabbi brother clapped to Him that He was able to hear Him the whole time. Show Hashem you want to get close to Him. Davin for repentance. Davin to change. Always speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you don't really want to do Averot. Thank you so much for listening. Our final, final speaker for tonight is Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. We want to, we want to thank everyone who's, who, who has been watching the previous, um, all these different stories which we, 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 for tonight. And um, everyone should continue watching right now at TorahAnyTime.com. Um, and um, it's our, our, our final speaker tonight is Rabbi Shmuel Reichman, who's a renowned speaker and author. He's actually coming out with, with, with a safer in, in the next few months. So stay tuned for that. And I'm so great to call upon Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. So El was right around the corner, so I wanted to share an amazing, amazing story with you. A story that really will help get us in the mood as we approach the most amazing time of the year. So a boy runs into this local store, and he asks the store owner, can I borrow your phone? I just want to make a phone call. So the store owner says, sure. Takes him to the back of the room, and the boy dials a number, and the lady picks up. And the boy says, Hi, I want to know if I can mow your lawn. I'm looking for a job to mow lawn, and I'd love to mow your lawn. Is that okay with you? Is you know, is there a job available? The woman says, Actually, we have a boy who already mows our lawn, and he does a great job. We're not looking for anyone, sorry. And the boy says, No, you don't understand. I'm going to do an amazing job. And the lady says, No, it's really okay. He, the boy who does our lawn actually does an amazing job. He says, no, you don't understand. I'm not just going to mow your lawn. I'm going to pull out the weeds. I'm going to water it. I'm going to trim it. I'm going to shape it. Your lawn is going to be the most beautiful lawn that you've ever seen. The lady says, it's really, you don't understand. The boy who does our lawn does all of that, and he does an absolutely amazing job. We're not looking for anyone. I'm sorry. boy hangs up the phone. The store owner overheard the conversation, and he said, us... You really wanted that job, didn't you? I'm sorry it didn't work out. And the boy smiled and says, No, I already have the job. I just wanted to see how I was doing. It's, it's an amazing story. But that's really what L is. It's where we you know, make that phone call and see how we're doing. Or we check in on ourselves. And I feel like the, the biggest problem with self-development and with self-analysis with Musser and with L is that we fear the process of self-analysis. We fear acknowledging where we've gone wrong because with that comes a big hit to our self-worth, to our self-image. We start to feel bad about ourselves. And oh my gosh, it's all the things I want to work on, I've wanted to work on since who knows how long. It's the same list every year for Elul. And there's one idea that can shift everything. It's when you change your perspective on the concept of self-development, as opposed to it's what am I doing wrong? Just change that question into what can I become better at? When you look at growth as an opportunity, when you learn to enjoy the process, when you fall in love with getting better at your meetups, with getting better at learning, with taking care of your health, with building better relationships, with developing your mindset, with falling in love with Torah, falling in love with Hashem, when you fall in love with the process of growth, then it will become the most exciting and amazing time of the year. As opposed to where some people dread Elul, oh my gosh, time of din, 
there's also a time of re-establishing, reconnecting our, our relationship with Hashem. It's becoming our best selves. It's remembering our dreams, remembering our vision. It's tapping into who we know we're destined to become, who we know we're capable of becoming. So when we check in on ourselves, this when we start to go on that process, really the, the journey from Tishabav towards Rosh Hashanah is a journey really from Tishabav to Elul to Rosh Hashanah. And really we're heading towards Elul. That's really our journey right now. We need to turn into a journey of excitement. We need to remember who we're supposed to become and we need to learn to fall in love with the process. Thank you, Rabbi Reifman, for your tremendous words. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight at Elul Stories to Inspire. We were all inspired. We were, we're all going to take advantage of this amazing month of Elul. We should all take at least one story, one lesson. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to Inspire.org. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to Inspire dot org.